First Kings chapter 18. If you're ready to dive into God's word, would you say amen? First Kings 18. Let's start reading in verse number 41. The Bible says this. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up, and he looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go up again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud, just a little guy. Everybody say a little cloud, a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up, saying to Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. For a few minutes today, I want to speak to this subject, running in the rain, running in the rain. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, thank you for the 830 service. God, thank you for bringing us back from Thanksgiving and holiday weekend together so that we can come and give you the thanks that you deserve. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss what this season is all about, giving praise to the one who is worthy of all of our praise. And Lord, I pray that for a few minutes today, we'd be able to look to your word Lord, I pray that we'd be able to be encouraged and challenged in our time together. God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit in the next few minutes to give me the words to say that would be beneficial, that would be uh, encouraging for us today, that would be challenging. And Lord, I pray that you'd be pleased with our time together. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said today, this past summer, our family was on a road trip on the East Coast. And this was right in the summer when many of the thunderstorms were wreaking havoc on the East Coast. And we were driving along. We were driving from West Virginia all the way to the plains of Pennsylvania. Kind of sounds like a country song. We were driving to to Pennsylvania. We were kind of driving through the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, it started to rain harder than I've ever experienced in my entire life. And it was a crazy torrential downpour. It was actually quite frightening to drive. Everyone had their hazards on. You couldn't see one foot in front of you. And everyone was going one mile per hour. Many people were just pulled over on the side of the road. And it was kind of frightening driving through that rain. And Katie and I decided that we were going to pull over uh, at an exit. And we were going to take a break and get some food. And we saw on the GPS that there was a gas station coming up. And so slowly but surely, we exited. We went to that gas station. And we were kind of under the covering of that gas station. Luke and I, my son, we decided to go in and get some food. And Katie and our girls, they stayed in the car. And when Katie and I, or when Luke and I were done getting some food, I said to Luke, all right, we're gonna have to run back to the car. We don't wanna get, we don't wanna get completely soaked. So get ready to run. Let's get ready to move fast. And Luke was like, all right, ready to go. And so we went out, we started to run out. As we ran out into the rain, I noticed that my wife, Katie, had gotten to the driver's seat of our rental car and she was driving towards us presumably to come and pick us up. She was trying to be a blessing. We did not know that. And so we were just going to go and try to meet her halfway. So we went to the car and 
for the life of Katie, bless her heart, she could not figure out how in that rental car to unlock the door. And we were standing at the door. We were banging, like, please, begging, let us in. Open the door. Open the door. And she could not figure it out. Eventually, Luke and I just gave up, and we went back to the gas station, and we were completely drenched and soaked. And uh, we had to drive the next five hours just completely cold and drenched, and it was a miserable experience. But I was certainly not ready in that moment for the rain. I was thinking about rain this week, and often in Scripture, not exclusively, but often in Scripture, rain is a symbol and a picture of God's blessing. We see this in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. The Lord shall open, uh, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure and the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season and to bless. Everybody say bless. And so the rain was sent to bless all the work of thine hand. And so rain is often a symbol and a picture of God's blessing. How many of you today at the 10 o'clock service are interested in God's blessing? Anybody like that? I'm interested in the blessings that come from God, in the rain that comes from heaven. Now, additionally, and furthermore, we understand also that the absence of rain is a picture then of God's judgment. We see this in 1 Kings 8.35. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee. And so often because we are comfortable in the presence of sin, we are missing out on the blessings that God wants to bestow upon us. And often because there is sin lingering that we have not confessed and dealt with, uh, there is the withholding of rain. There, there is the withholding of blessing. And today, what I want us to consider for a few moments today is if as a church, we want to experience God's blessings. If in your marriage you want to receive God's blessings... If in your family you want to receive God's blessings, then the question that we have to answer is, how can we position ourselves and posture ourselves to be ready for the rain? In other words, how can we seed the clouds so that we can experience the blessings that God wants to pour out in our lives? Now, if anyone in Scripture knew how to seed the clouds, it was this man named Elijah. Uh, How many of you are familiar with the Old Testament prophet named Elijah? I love the story of Elijah. I love this character for many reasons. The Bible says in the New Testament that Elijah was subject unto like passions as we are. In other words, the Bible says in the New Testament that Elijah was one of us. He was just a normal, average person. Uh, He was someone that we would want to hang out with. He was one of us us, and yet he demonstrated great faith, and we're going to see that in 1 Kings 18 today. And uh, the Bible says in 1 Kings 18, the very first verse of this uh, chapter, to give us a little bit of context today, it says, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, in the third year of what? The third year of a drought that the nation of Israel was experiencing because of their sin. So they had no rain for the span of three years, but the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, go show thyself unto Ahab. Ahab was the wicked king of Israel at the time. Go show yourself unto Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. And so in verse number one of chapter 18, we have this promise from God, this promise to Elijah saying, I will send rain upon the earth. If you know what happens next, Elijah goes and he confronts Ahab and he confronts the false prophets of Baal. And Elijah has this uh, infamous showdown on the top of Mount Carmel where he prays down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice on the top of Mount Carmel. I don't know about you, but that's one of those stories that when I get to heaven, I want to watch on the jumbo screen. Like I want to see that replayed. Elijah prays with great faith. Fire comes down, consumes the sacrifice. The people in response to that, they get right with God. There's a revival. And the natural progression in the story, in the narrative that should take place next is it should rain. Because God promised rain. The people got right with God. They had revival. They repented. And now there should be rain. But when Elijah looks up in the sky, there are no clouds. 
And so here, Elijah finds himself in this gap between the promise of God and the provision of God. And many times in life, we find ourselves in this gap where we are aware of God's promises, but we have not yet experienced his provision. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? We're aware of the promises of God that that when we give, that he promises to bless us, but we haven't seen any blessing yet. We know that God promises to honor integrity, and we're trying to show integrity in our workplace, but no one else seems to notice, and we're not seeing any fruit from that integrity yet. We know that the Bible says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, but we haven't seen any rewards yet. And so what do we do when we find ourselves in this gap between the promise of God and the provision of God? Because if we're not careful, we can get frustrated. We can throw our hands up in the air. We can get upset with God. We can say, where's the provision? God, we did what you wanted us to do. You made a promise to us, God, but we're not seeing the fruit of that yet. Well, what did Elijah do? Did Elijah get mad? Did he pout? Uh, Did he start complaining? What Elijah did in this text that we're going to see this morning is he seeded the clouds. He said, you know what? I'm going to start making some investments. I'm going to put myself in a position to get ready for the rain that I believe that God is going to bring. And so today, what I want to do for a few minutes today is I want to give us four ways that we can seed the clouds, four ways that we can, as a church family, get ready uh, for the rain. Are you interested this morning? Four ways. Number one is this. We have to embrace the right posture. We have to embrace the right posture. Now, let's pick it up in verse number 41. I want to encourage you to keep your Bible ready and open. We're going to study these few verses together today. Verse 41, and Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up, verse 42, to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees. And so what we see is that Ahab goes to eat. And Elijah, he goes, he puts his face between his knees, he goes to pray. And so right after this Mount Carmel experience where Elijah prays fire from heaven, he says to Ahab, you need to go eat and you need to go drink. He focuses on the physical, King Ahab. But what Elijah does is he focuses on the spiritual. He says, I'm going to go pray. By the way, you know that you have a strong prayer life when you just got done praying fire from heaven and your next step is, I think I need to pray some more. This was Elijah. He says, I need to get back to prayer. By the way, I, I believe... I believe with all my heart that what the church so desperately needs today is to get back in believing in the power of prayer. For too long, we have relied on our own systems, on our own personalities, on our own skill, on our own structure, what we bring to the table. But what we need to do is to get back on relying on the power of God, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Augustine said, pray as if everything depended on God and then work as if everything depended on you. I wonder today if we don't need to confess of the sin of prayerlessness. Because the Bible says in James that he that knoweth to do good, but doeth it not, to him it is sin. There are sins of commission, things we do. There are sins of omission, things that we know that we should do, but we don't do them. We know that we should pray, but often we don't approach the throne of grace. And what Elijah does here is he says, you know what, we just experienced fire from heaven, but what we need desperately as a nation is rain. We need God to bestow his blessings upon us. And so Elijah goes to the Lord in prayer. Can I encourage you in this season as we close the year, as we're preparing to receive the Heart for the House offering, to commit to the Lord in prayer and be in prayer that God would provide for us a building, that God would provide for us a space that we can declare the good news of the gospel. Hey, we can't just say that we have faith. We've got to act act as though we have faith and pray and ask God to do what only God can do. And so Elijah goes, he puts his face in his knees, the Bible says. It's kind of an awkward position. 
And in ancient Oriental culture, this was a sign of great prostration. This was considered the most humble position that somebody could take, to put their face in their knees. And what Elijah is doing is he's demonstrating great humility, which I believe is a beautiful posture and a beautiful picture for us today. Because Elijah just did something great. He experienced a mountaintop victory in his life. He could have been filled up with Elijah. He could have been impressed with himself. He could have been worried about the pictures that he wanted to post on Instagram with a fire falling and considering the, the caption that he wanted to write. He could have been working on his LinkedIn profile. You know, I prayed fire from heaven, no big deal. He could have really thought highly of himself. But instead, what does he do? He goes, he gets by himself, and he puts his face in his knees and demonstrates a posture of humility. And I believe today that in God's economy, the way up is down. We fall down on our knees, and we demonstrate humility before the Lord. What did Jesus say in John 13? He says, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example So Jesus says, I washed the disciples' feet. I washed your feet to give you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus demonstrated this servant spirit in the heart of a servant to wash other people's feet, the job that nobody else wanted to do. I wonder today, are you willing to do the job that nobody else wants to do? This is the posture of humility. This is the posture of humility that Elijah is demonstrating. Uh, William Booth, he started the Salvation Army. There was a preacher that traveled with William Booth that uh, went along with him and actually helped him start the Salvation Army. His name was Samuel Brangle, and he was a great preacher, a friend to William Booth. And one day, Samuel Brangle walked into a room, and I don't know who announced it, but somebody announced his arrival, and this is how they announced his arrival. They said, please welcome the great Dr. Brangle, the great. And uh, Samuel Brangle, he heard that, and later on, he wrote this in his diary talking about that event. He said this. If I appear great in their eyes, the Lord is most graciously helping me to see how absolutely nothing I am without him and helping me to keep little in my own eyes. He does use me. Aren't you thankful today that God chooses to use us even in spite of us? That that he does use me, but I am so concerned that he uses me and that it is not of me that the work is done. The ax cannot boast of the trees it has cut down. It could do nothing but for the woodsman. He made it, he sharpened it, and he used it. The moment he throws it aside, it becomes only old iron. Oh, that I may never lose sight of this. This is how we should view ourselves. The Bible says don't, don't, view, yourself more highly, uh, don't, don't view yourself more highly than you ought to think. We ought to have a posture of humility. And so number one today, we embrace the right posture. Number two, we have to continue with persistence. We have to continue with persistence. Now, Elijah, he's praying for rain. He's believing God for rain. And now he's going to demonstrate for us great faith. Uh, Notice verse number 41. If you're with me today, would you say amen? amen? Verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. It's an interesting phrase. There is the sound of abundance of rain. Daniel, can you come up here for a second and help me? I remember growing up. There was a pastor that came to our church. He was from North Carolina, and he demonstrated for the audience uh, what he called a North Carolina thunderstorm. And I thought it would be appropriate today for us to participate and try a North Carolina thunderstorm. Are you ready for a North Carolina thunderstorm this morning? Okay, Dan, if you can hold the mic so I can talk. Okay, now I need need everyone to participate, and I need you to put your heart into it today. How many of you are willing to put your heart into this exercise, okay? Many of you didn't raise your hand. I need all participation. Okay, very good. This is not going to be a real North Carolina thunderstorm if we don't have participation. Okay, so it starts with... Starts with the wind. Ready? Do what I do. 
little bit more wind. There we go. Then it starts to sprinkle. All right. And then it starts to thunder. Stomp your feet. And then it starts to rain hard. Everybody clap. It's raining hard. Then it starts to sprinkle. And back to the wind. And that is a North Carolina thunderstorm. You experienced it today and you survived it. Now, in verse 41, he says, there is a sound of abundance of rain. Everybody still with me today? There's the sound of abundance of rain. That's an unusual phrase. Typically, we don't say, it sounds like it's going to rain. Typically, we say, it looks like it's going to rain. Looks like it's going to rain. We don't typically say, it sounds like it's going to rain. But here, Elijah says, I can sense something that I cannot see. I can't see it but I can sense it. I believe this is a beautiful picture of faith because faith is the ability to sense what your flesh cannot see. He says, there is the sound of abundance of rain. Arthur Pink, he said this, Elijah hears that which shall be. If the divine word dwelt in us more richly and faith was exercised more upon it, we would hear that which is inaudible to the dull comprehension of the carnal mind. He says, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. This morning, I don't know how God is going to work in our church. I can't see how everything is going to play out, but by faith, I sense that God wants to do something great. I can't see our future building physically, but I sense by faith that God has something great for our church family, and he wants to provide for us according to his timetable. Hey, I can't always see how it's going to work out, but by faith, I can sense it. There is the sound of abundance of rain. He says, there's a sound, the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah here is walking by faith. In verse 43, it says this, and he said to a servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. That's never a response that you want to hear. Katie asked me this week, how much do we want to have in our Christmas budget for presents? And I said, there is nothing. <laughs> you know, that, that's the response. That's not a response that any of us want to hear. There's nothing left in the tank. I have nothing left to offer. I feel exhausted. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. I'm trying to step out by faith, but there is nothing. Elijah's in an interesting spot here in life because he had the promise of rain. Chapter 18, verse number one, God promised it. He had the promise of rain. He was even praying for rain. He even had the perception of rain. There is a sound of abundance of rain, but when he looked up in the sky, there is nothing. This is a frustrating place in life when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, but there's no evidence, there's no fruit that it's actually working. There's nothing. Psalm 102, verse number two says this, hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call, answer me speedily. That's a verse that all of us would love to quote and claim, right? When we need an answer, God, answer me speedily. When I call someone on the phone, I want them to answer me speedily, right? Like I think if I can call you and it doesn't even ring and you pick up the phone, that's a great sign of doing the Lord's business with haste, right? You're just going to answer the phone, answer me speedily. We want God to give us answers quickly, and we get frustrated when we go and we're looking for the response and the servant says, there is nothing. So what does Elijah do? Does he say, thanks a lot, God. I've been praying. God, I've been doing everything that you want me to do. I'm tired. Elijah just gone through a real difficult season of ministry. In fact, in the next chapter, Elijah, remember, he was a man subject unto like passions as we are. In the very next chapter, Elijah is so discouraged that he asked God to take his own life. 
But Elijah looks and he sends his servant, go and see the horizon. And he says, there is nothing. There's nothing. So what does Elijah do? He says, go again. Did you see it? Look at it. Verse number 43. Are you still with me today? And he answered his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Seven times. So kind of imagine the scene with me today. Uh, the, the servant goes and he looks and he's observing up and he's kind of looking over the sea, looking up on the mountaintop and he's looking at the, uh, the sky and nothing, there's nothing. So he goes back all the way, he makes the journey back. I don't know how long it took, but he makes the journey all the way back and he goes to Elijah and he says, Elijah, there's nothing. And Elijah says, nothing? He says, yeah, nothing. Elijah says, go check again. All right, so, so he goes back, he makes the journey all the way back. He goes, he gets on the mountaintop, he looks out, Nothing. So he goes back to Elijah and he says, all right, Elijah, I went and I saw it for the second time and there was nothing. And Elijah says, nothing? Yeah. Go check again. Servant puts his hand on. He's like, all right, I'm not going to do it seven times. Don't worry. But he goes seven times and he goes back to Elijah and there is nothing. There's nothing. You know, often we want the blessings from God. Often we want the rain to fall, but we stop short of going the full distance. Often what we do is we get discouraged after checking twice. I tried three times. I tried to read my Bible four times. I didn't, I didn't understand it, so we give up. But the Bible says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Here he, he says, keep on going, keep on checking. You know Naaman? Naaman had leprosy, and he was told by Elisha, the successor of Elijah, to go and to dip in the, uh, dip in the Jordan River seven times. When he dipped on the sixth time, nothing happened. But on the seventh time, he was healed of the leprosy that he had. When Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho, on the sixth time, nothing happened. But on the seventh time, the walls came down. When that servant went and looked six times, nothing happened. But on the seventh time, behold, there was a little cloud. Can I encourage somebody today at the 10 o'clock service? Don't stop on six. Don't stop short of, of the plan that God has for you. Hey, don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep on serving. Keep on believing. Keep on giving. Keep on trusting. Hey, there is the sound of abundance of rain. Don't stop short of the plan that God has for you. He says, go again. Keep on going. And finally, the servant goes up. And the seventh time, and he sees there's a cloud. And he goes back, and he tells Elijah, Elijah, guess what? I have good news and bad news. The good news is there's a cloud. The bad news is it's the smallest cloud you've ever seen. And Elijah says, you know, how small are we talking? It's super small. It's the size of a man's hand. It's just like you got to use your binoculars, but you can, it's just barely out there. You can see that cloud. And that leads us to our third thought today, number three. If we're going to see the clouds, we have to consider the potential. Notice verse 44. And it came to pass the seventh time. And he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And Elijah said, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And so they finally see this little, this little cloud. And he says it's the size of a man's hand. It's not impressive from an outward perspective. I read recently that when clouds are full and heavy and dark of rain, it's called nimbostratus. That's the type of cloud that it is. I don't know what type of cloud this was, but we know that it was very small. You could barely see it. And he says, here is just a little cloud. I love that God always chooses or loves to work through seemingly insignificant avenues. What appears to be inconsequential to us that God says that's what I want to use it was just one small stone that took out Goliath 
It was just a little bit of flour and oil that, that the widow used in 2 Kings chapter 4, and she was fed in her son for three years. It was just a little bit of oil. It was just a little cloud that God wanted to use. Can I tell you little as much when God is in it? Don't, don't, let, don't let the devil jump on your back and say that, that what your assignment is is too insignificant. See, little is much when God is in it. The Bible says in Zechariah, don't despise the day of small things. You might get discouraged because you think the size of your ministry is small, the size of your assignment is small. Uh, you might get discouraged, but God is not interested in the size of your bank account. He is not interested in the size of your ministry. God is interested in the size of your faith because it is the size of your faith that will determine the scope of your blessing. And so there's just a little bit of cloud, but there's a lot of potential packed in that little cloud. We know the end of the story. There was a, an abundance of rain that would fall from that little cloud. Jesus said this in Matthew 17, verse number 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed. How many of you have ever seen a mustard seed? Pretty small. The problem with the seed is that it seems insignificant. The mustard seed. But if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Does anybody believe today that we worship the God of the impossible? And size does not always equal significance. So don't be discouraged when you see the little cloud. I think about this often. I wonder if Paul how many of you are familiar with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, one of the greatest missionaries, the author of two-thirds of the New Testament? Paul did some great things for the Lord. But before he went on to do that, the Bible tells us that Paul was a tent maker. I wonder if Paul ever got discouraged making tents. I get discouraged making tents in 2022. I hate putting tents together. I don't know if Paul got discouraged in the first century making tents. I wonder if Paul thought, this is what God has for me? All that on the road to Damascus? And now God wants me to just put tents together? This is, this is God's will for my life? Often we can be discouraged at the size of our assignment, but little as much when God is in it. There was a little cloud, but there was great potential packed in that cloud. Notice what it says in verse 44. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot. Everybody say, Prepare. Prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. I love how Elijah responds. The servant comes back. There's a little cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. Elijah could be like, ah, go check again. See if it gets bigger. But that's not what he says. He says, there's a little cloud. Great. Go tell Ahab he needs to get in his chariot. He needs to get moving because a lot of rain is about to fall. Elijah had great faith. And we know that he had great faith because faith always moves you to action. Faith always moves you to preparation. He says, there's a sound of the abundance of rain. Now there's a little cloud. Go tell Ahab he needs to prepare. He needs to get ready. It's one thing to say that you have faith. It's another thing to grab an umbrella. And to say, I am believing that God is about to pour out his blessings on my life. It's one thing to just say, I, you know, we're praying for a building and we believe God's going to give a building. It's another thing to start seeding the clouds. And start investing and start getting involved in what God wants us to do. First John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. So don't just talk about it. Don't just, don't, don't just say that you're about something. But in deed and in truth, in action. Faith always moves to action. Elijah said to Ahab, go prepare your chariot. Get ready. There's a sound of abundance of rain. This leads us to our fourth thought. Number four is this. We have to run with God's power. How many of you enjoy running? Anybody like that? Great, four of you. How many of you enjoy walking? 
How, how many of you enjoy no movement whatsoever? I'm just going to sit down. Okay. Danny, you raise your hand for all three. You en- he enjoys life. What can he say? The other day, I was at the gym and I was running and we were doing a 12-minute time run for distance. Run as fast as you can, as far as you can for 12 minutes. And I hated it. I don't like running long distance. And I was out of breath. And after that 12-minute run for distance, one of the coaches came up to me and said, they knew that I was a pastor. And they said, uh, do you ever, when you're running on the treadmill, just pray and ask for God to give you power when you're running? And I said, no, but that's a good idea. I need to think about it next time. A lot of times in life, we're running in our own flesh and we're striving and we're void of God's power. We're just kind of going through the motions. And here, what Elijah demonstrates in these closing verses is how to run with God's power. I love that Elijah turns into a power runner. I want you to see it in verse 45. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there arose a great rain. If God said it, you can trust it. He said it in verse number one. Here we are in verse 45, but it's coming to pass. There is a great rain. You can always take God for his promises. And Ahab rode. He rode. Everybody say rode. He rode in his chariot. Verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab, before Ahab, to the entrance of Jezreel. I love this scene so much. You have to kind of use your imagination and picture it. Here you have uh, Ahab. He gets into his chariot. It starts to rain. It's sprinkling. It's in, the, it's in the sprinkling stage of the North Carolina thunderstorm. It's starting to rain a little bit. Uh, Ahab gets into his chariot. He's starting to go along. He's making his journey 20 miles to Jezreel. And I can imagine that the dirt started to get soft, maybe turned a little bit muddy. Maybe his chariot wheels were getting stuck in the mud. And here is Elijah, and he's just in a full-on sprint for 20 miles. He's going to make it all the way to Jezreel. I wonder if Ahab was kind of looking out the window of his chariot watching Elijah run by, like, man, what is with this guy? Like, like just wondering, you know, what's going on with Elijah. But I think it's interesting that Ahab rode and Elijah ran. You know, Ahab could have offered him a ride. It was the least he could do. I mean, he just brought rain for the nation of Israel. Elijah did a lot for Ahab. He could have offered him a ride. But while Ahab rode, Elijah ran. He had to work for it. Please hear me today. Don't expect the blessings of God to come easy. Sometimes we think that following Jesus is about the path of least resistance. I'm just going to ride. I'm just going to enjoy this. But don't look for a ride when God wants you to run. The Bible says that we are called in Philippians 1.27, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving. That carries the idea of effort. We're going to labor. Here, Elijah is running. He's putting forth the effort. But not only is he running, the Bible says in verse 46 that he was running and the hand of the Lord was upon him. And I love the fact that the hand of the Lord was upon him because in the Bible, the hand of the Lord always represents God's power. And so here's Elijah, and he is running, but he's not running in his own strength. He's running with the power of God, so much so that he beats Ahab to Jezreel. He outruns the chariot. Can I tell you today, I would much rather be running with God's power than riding a chariot of my own complacency. Where I'm just looking for convenience, I'm looking for the path of least resistance. No, here Elijah is running with the power of God, so much so that he beats Ahab to Jezreel. And it's a good thing he did. Because in chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, you can read it. uh, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, when she hears about this, she wants to kill Elijah. And if Elijah would have ridden with Ahab, he would have been killed upon arrival. See, sometimes when God asks you to run, it's not for your punishment. It's for your protection. 
Can I tell you that God's will is always the best plan for your life? It might not always make sense when God has you running and you see other people and it looks like they're just riding. It looks like they're on easy street. But God always is working behind the scenes even when we can't see it. By the way, Elijah didn't get to ride a chariot this time. But if you know the story of Elijah, he did get to ride a chariot later on. The Bible says that he was translated up into heaven. God took him home. He didn't even taste death. He, he, he rode up to heaven in a chariot. God's plan is always the best plan for your life. And so Elijah here, he's running. He's running with the power of God. He's running in the blessings of God. He's running in the rain 20 miles away. I love what the Bible says in Philippians 3 verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul says, I haven't arrived yet, but this one thing I do. Paul valued focused excellence. He didn't say these many things I dabble with. He said this one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That phrase, press toward the mark, it literally carries the idea of being in a full-on sprint. Paul says, I don't want to just sit idly by on the sidelines. I want to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. I want to keep on running, keep on moving, keep on believing and asking God to do what only God can do. I want to be running in the blessings of God. As we close today, the question that I want us to consider, to take a look within, is are we ready for the rain? Malachi says this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. The word tithe simply means tenth. At Rock Hill, we believe in the biblical principle of the tithe, that God has blessed us with so much that he's the owner of it all. We're just stewards of what God has given us, and we want to honor him with the first fruits. We want to honor him with the first 10%. And maybe you've never trusted God with the tithe. Well, listen to what Malachi says to anyone considering being generous and giving faithfully. This is what he says. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith. This is a challenge from Almighty God. He says, you want to see me work in your life? You want to see me bring the rain? You want to see me open up the window of heaven and pour out a blessing on your life? Put me to the test. Prove me. Test me. And see how I can work. How many of you believe today that God is an all-powerful God and there is nothing too hard for him? This is the God that we worship. He says, put me to the test. Prove me. Say the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. God says, trust me and watch me bring the rain. You say, I, I don't know if I could do this. Maybe your response is like the servant today. You say, I'm looking at my bank account. I'm wondering about this heart for the house offering. And my response is, there is nothing. H how can I be involved? God says, trust me, put me to the test and see if I will not provide for your life and pour you out a blessing. Now in this passage, Elijah, remember he was just like us. He was a regular person. He demonstrates for us in this passage great faith. And this really is what the Christian life and what following Jesus is all about, that we're not going to walk by sight. There's nothing in the, in the sky, but we're going to walk by faith. We're going to trust God by faith. And maybe you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Maybe you're watching online today and you've never put your faith in Jesus alone. And the Bible says this, the last verse I want to close with, in Romans 10, verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess... With thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart 
that God hath raised him from the dead. Do you believe today that God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive and well today? He rose him from, he, he brought him back to life, rose him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, what the Bible says is that if you believe you can believe unto righteousness, that you can be forgiven of your sins, that you can experience a home in heaven by placing your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so maybe today that's the decision that you need to make. Maybe today you are a follower of Jesus and you've already placed your faith in him, but maybe God today is speaking to you about seeding the clouds. Maybe God today is speaking to you about making eternal investments and positioning yourself to be ready for the rain, just like Elijah. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.